0: Welcome back to the uh, third episode of the Bleacher Connection. I'm Ken. I'm Trevor. And uh, this week we're going to have just a couple topics. We're going to cover off uh, a that's offside and uh, we're going to do our second top 10 list. Uh, Trevor, do you want to let everyone know what it's going to be this time?
1: Yeah, as I uh, painstakingly sat through a top 10 Canucks list of all time. Whereas my list was clearly a lot better than Ken's list with Mark Messier ending up as number one on the Canucks top 10 list of all time. Well, this time we've decided to switch it up a little bit and talk about a real team, the Calgary flames, and we're going to be doing our top 10 Calgary flames of all time.
0: I know. Um, I'm interested,
1: interested to see which way Ken goes with this. If he follows my lead or does a little bit more traditional, but I guess I'll find out because neither of us have any idea who's on <laughs> whose list. I
0: think you'll probably be surprised in the direction I went with it. But I was going to say, I know this isn't an official workplace, but we got to talk about some kind of dress code. No offensive uh, <laughs> clothing should be worn. Um, yeah, I was going to say you should probably shave. It's, it's all I can do, man. You got to give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week, actually surprisingly, we had for our off, – that's offside – Uh, consensus pick and kind of going back to September 10th, uh, Skip Bayless on uh, Undisputed. Uh, He made some just asinine comments regarding uh, Prescott and him coming forward with uh, his mental health issues and uh, it's just really not called for. I mean it's 2020. We say that a lot and it usually means it's a bad thing, but You know, people talking about their mental health should not be criticized regardless of their position in life or sports or whatever.
1: What I struggled with the most with it, and I'm in total agreement with you on this, Ken, of that's offside, is he questioned his leadership. And it makes him look weak. And I actually 100% disagree with that. I think him being able to open up makes him more of a leader than hiding it all on the inside. And I give him, I give Jack just so much kudos to be able to come forward with that and speak his mind and let people know. And, you know, to me, that's true leadership. And it was just so wrong by Skip Bayless and ridiculous.
0: Absolutely. I mean, not only did he say it, September 10th, the day it aired was, I believe, National Suicide Prevention Day. So you're talking about a guy, putting him down, showing for showing weakness, when how many people have taken their lives because of depression and so on? But we're talking about a guy who yeah. lost his brother to an apparent suicide during the pandemic, and then you're going to chastise him for for talking about it. And I mean, I I I, I didn't just you know, when I talked to you about it before we, you know, did this, I I went back and I looked and I thought, you know, is this something that was taken out of context? Is this just a, you know, someone grabbing a snippet of the whole, like, you know, a small piece of the bigger picture, but no, he, it was not taken out of context. He more. doubled down on it. Yeah. His, his apology was anything, but, um, and, and, you know, it really got me thinking because Skip Bayless is one guy that, has come across in the sports media world as someone who likes to say whatever's on his mind and thinks he's correct 200% of the time. Like this guy's a career sports writer. That's it. He was not a former player. He is yeah. not yeah, an, an athlete. He he can't speak to being in a huddle. He can't speak to being on the field with his with teammates. Maybe as a kid, maybe at low level, but he, he's never been on the professional level, so he goes and starts talking about things he doesn't know, and I was yeah. really surprised that you know, Shannon Sharp didn't come across Adam. Right? It just it, uh, it was really yeah. Crazy. I was shocked too. And, and he let him speak. He let him dig his own grave or hole, whatever you want to talk about. But the big thing that was really disappointing yeah. is no one at I think it's Fox or wherever it is shows on no one is taking him
1: aside or how many other people have lost their jobs for saying things along those lines exactly he didn't get reprimanded one bit and it's the guy's a career you know piece of trash we'll say it politely yeah and he never gets reprimanded he he, he does let's call it he tries to be controversial on Twitter all the time and come across with these hot takes and he just looks dumb he yeah he really does and it's it's I would I'm sorry Ken we've given this guy too much time as it is even talking about him yeah he's and, just uh, he's a piece of trash
0: yeah I think uh the more people need to speak up and get rid of him there's no place for that you can have opinions on the game on the sport on a on a player yeah. and their performance sure that's the job don't question that they're ability based on them being a human being
1: yeah these guys are they're humans first they're not athletes first and speaking their mind they're more they're allowed to and they should i i encourage it so they have
0: the platform right skip
1: bayless you're offside
0: absolutely all right well now that we got all that
1: got all the fun of talking about that jerk out of the way let's get into the real fun of the topic today and we're going to dive right into the top 10 players of the greatest franchise in NHL history, the Calgary Flames. Ken, are you in agreement on that? Or I,
0: I tuned out to a lot of what you were just saying there. <laughs> I, I would say I dove into it. I mean, I dipped my toe into the uh, flame. shallow pool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to, have to be the one that said, you know.
1: Well, uh, there's. There's a long period of time in Flames history that's not so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think,
0: I think you could go back and look at a lot of organizations and, and yeah. say the same outside of the Vegas Golden Knights, right? You know?
1: Yeah. Who've just been good for three years.
0: <laughs> three years of, of uh, information to look at and not that bad.
1: Yeah. A uh, uh, part of being a fan of a team can, and we both know this is being critical of our teams and being able to laugh about them as well. So I'm not going to lie on my list. There's definitely uh, a long period of time of no representation of any players.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. Like Maybe I, a
1: 10 year period.
0: I went back, like I went and I looked at the flames all time roster and I, there were some pr- surprising things like that popped out where I'm looking at names. And I was like, wait, hold on. He played for the flames. And yeah, was, Brett Hall.
1: He played for the Flames.
0: I, 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 do believe I did see that on there. Uh, there was a few guys on. <laughs> um, I don't think I
1: pointed out. Ed Saint Louis did also play for the Flames.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I was. And that's exactly who I was going to mention. Um,
1: yeah. So did Mark Savard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Drury, Chris Drury. Yeah. You know, I think. Yeah. You know, he wasn't drafted like some of the guys that have uh, put on the jersey for a game or six, but. Uh, yeah, very short tenure, uh, I guess
1: to to get started here, Ken's going to go first, but I'd like to start with just a couple of honorable mentions here from my list before we really get into it. Kind of a little bit of a teaser here. Uh, one of my honorable honorable mentions who did not make the list is maybe one of the greatest goaltenders ever for the Calgary Flames, and that's Mike Vernon. Uh, he backstopped us to a, a championship in 1989. He made a few unbelievable saves in a certain Game 7 overtime that some of us may have enjoyed more than others that year. But uh, Mike Vernon uh, did not crack my top 10 list. And another uh, relatively uh, big name that did not crack my top 10 list, but definitely deserves a mention, is uh, number 10, Gary Roberts. Wow. Uh, Probably one of uh, the, the most... Hard nosed two way players to ever put on a Flames jersey and one of our best scorers, but uh, he there was a couple others that I felt had a little more historical influence over in hockey than Gary Roberts. There's no knock on him, but a little bit of a spoiler. He also is not on my top ten list, but definitely deserves mention.
0: I, I got. I mean, granted, coming from a Canucks fan looking at a Flames list, I am. Surprised that they are honorable mentions. I mean, I think the only honorable mention I have would be Dion Phaneuf uh, on my list, and it really goes to uh, a game against the Canucks where uh, Ruto really tripped got, over a hockey stick. That would be the one where Ruto <laughs> got under his skin enough to try and get him to a fight, and after he drops the glove, he trips over his own stick, and that's just a memory of Dion that just sits. Right, right, here in my heart, you know, I, I enjoy seeing that every now and then. Um,
1: my Ali, the memory of Dion that sits right here in my heart was when he got traded to Toronto.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Craig Conroy has a different memory of Dion Phaneuf, but yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, why don't you start with number ten on your list, Ken? All right,
0: well, and uh,
1: number ten on
0: Ken's top ten Calgary Flames, Dennis Wideman. We had Dennis uh, Weidman. Dennis Weidman he played 280 games wow. for the Flames. He had 136 points and 126 penalty minutes. Now, to be fair, I think 120 of those minutes came in one game where uh, after getting one play, one play, yeah, one shift, one shift, yes. Uh, after getting hit into the boards against uh, Nashville, he decided to take his aggression out on the linesman. Earning him a twenty-game suspension, which was later reduced to ten. Either way, Dennis Wideman is my number ten for collecting all those penalty minutes in one shift.
1: Yeah, ton of penalty minutes and a ton of uh, cash lost. Yeah, he did get some of it back, but unfortunately, he—I uh, believe—he was part of a civil suit that uh, cost him a lot of money as well.
0: Yeah, I don't think the 10-game uh, reduction really helped his, uh, his pocket there. Uh, no. Yeah. You
1: didn't have anything to say about Dennis Weidman's great shot, though? Like...
0: I don't remember the shot. I mean, of all Dennis, uh, things, Dennis Weidman. Oh, okay.
1: Just, well, oh, you, my... No, you do remember the shot, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving on from one of the biggest bonehead plays in Calgary Flames history, uh, I'm going to start off my list My number 10 is actually kind of a two-parter because the first person at number 10 on my list kind of led to the second person at number 10 on my list. And so I guess let's say number 10A would be Sergei Priyakin. Uh, Priyakin is on this list for essentially NHL historical purposes only, being the first Soviet to be approved to play in the NHL in 1989. Uh, opening the door for an invasion of Russian talent and forever changing the landscape of the NHL. His approval led to the actual number 10 on my list, and that would be number 42, Sergei Makarov. Uh, Makarov followed Priyakin's lead in 1989 and joined the Flames and became an integral part of the Stanley Cup championship team. His passing ability was as good as anyone in the game, which helped him to 62 assists in 80 games in his first season, and the Calder Trophy. Makarov was a dynamic playmaker for the Flames in his four seasons and was a point of game player during his tenure. The emergence of Makarov and Priyakin laid the foundation for future superstars such as Fedorov, Buray, Datsuk, and even Ovechkin to be able to have long and successful NHL careers. Without yeah. these two, who knows whatever would have happened. Yeah, and I mean, that's.
0: You look at that and just, you know, even from a Canuck standpoint, you brought up Burray there. I mean, if those guys don't... Oh, sorry, I way. meant
1: Valerie Burray.
0: Oh, really? Like, isn't he more yeah, famous yeah, for marrying Candice Cameron? Like, well, I thought... he on him. Yeah, I thought he was going to take her <laughs> name, right? Um, yeah, like, it, it paved the way, right? Like, it, it opened the door... Absolutely. As you said, for the Russian invasion and, you know, for the Canuck standpoint, that we had Burray, we had McGillney, we had... A yep. lot of guys come through that really made it a huge impact on our organization. So that, that's a those are some good for yeah. ten. Neither
1: of them were Macaroff was phenomenal as a player. He's only there for four years. Neither of them were. I don't want to say they were all time Calgary Flames, but they were all time important to the history of the NHL. Oh, absolutely. So they had they had to be on my list. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You gotta think about okay. it. So who do you Appreciate? got it? Well, sorry, like before those guys came over. Even after they did, look at how many people passed on Pavel Bure in the draft yep. because they didn't know if they could get him out of Russia, right? So, yeah, that, that is quite a big uh, feat to be part of. So, uh, well, my yep. number nine, and I don't, I don't remember if you had this level of an organizational person in your list of top ten Canucks, but I went non-player. And I went GM at number nine. So my number nine Calgary flame is Jay Feaster. So I, he was, made, GM, he brought in Johnny Goudreau. Did, well, I, I didn't look at that. Back oh, okay. That, you know, I was looking at, you know, he was GM from December, 2010 to December, to, 2013. Um, he also managed to trade Jerome McGinley at that time. And it, you know, I, I think, I don't think anyone's going to sit back and say it shouldn't have been done. Sure, they've been down a couple of years earlier. I, I And if it did, you probably would have got more than Agostino, Hanowski, and Klimchuk, who, you know, played over their time with the Flames a combined 27 games. Now, I mean, if we were talking the Calgary Flames were in Major League Baseball, those guys would have played 500 games each just because of who they were traded for. Yep. You know, we, see, we see it all the time. Like, who, who did we trade Halliday for? And all those guys played regardless of – you know, they Kyle
1: Drebeck, I believe.
0: I think he was one of them, but they yeah. were never ready to play, but they did because of who they were dealt. Um, yeah. It's tough when you look at those kind of guys in your organization and it is time to move on them. Yeah. Um, but I think Jay Feaster did not get, even at the stage of again, his career where he was, I don't think he did anything to help the organization move on. And build from that from that trade, like combine twenty seven games for those three is, is yeah not, not great.
1: Well, he also had to trade Jay Boe for a bag of pucks too, and I think it was uh, the pick that maybe got Emile Poirier who never panned out. So yeah, to be fair to Feaster, he was in a an organize, in the organization at a time when ownership mandated playoffs or bust, um, and he did what he was told and. Yeah, unsuccessfully, but he did do what he was told. You see it a lot in in a lot of organizations so, when it's that time, too. They look to make the playoffs. As a yeah, player. it's... Except the Oilers, they just look to miss the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you lose to Chicago in the qualifying ground? Who does that? <laughs> in your own barn? Uh, yeah, exactly. The ultimate home ice advantage. And, yeah,
0: it worked real well right for the, the Leafs, too. Hole.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that could be a whole other uh, podcast of three or four hours getting you and I going on the (laughs) Oilers. Uh, So number nine on my list is Kent Nilsson, also known as the Magic Man. Uh, Kent Nilsson was probably the most skilled player to ever don a Calgary slash Atlanta Flames jersey. In six seasons, he amassed 562 points with a career eye 131 points in the very first season in Calgary in 1981. Uh, Well above a point a game player in his career, Nielsen had all the skills to be the best. Unfortunately, his rumored poor work ethic away from the ice held him back in his career, or else he may have been at the top of this list. He was that good. Another black mark on his resume is he ended his career with the Oilers. So for that reason, he remained relatively high on my top 10 list. He had to be on it, but... He he always left you wanting more and way more. He was, I've heard comparisons that he had as much skill as Gretzky at the time, but he just chose not to ever, ever put in the effort. Yeah.
0: Um, Did he go into personal training after his career,
1: Ken? Yeah.
0: Can you hear me? Still there? Sorry. So there. Yep. Okay. Well, I was just gonna ask, did he go into personal yep. training um, after his career? Because it sounds like he trained. Big I'm country pretty sure Bryan. he didn't. No, did he, well, it sounds like he trained big country Brian Reeves. That's all i <laughs> Guy who had a poor you yeah, know, offseason yeah. routine. Flashbacks of the yeah. NBA, in Vancouver. <laughs> all right, so we're at number eight.
1: Any comments on the magic, man?
0: I can't say that I know too much about, about him to make it, you know, to really
1: yeah. you know a lot of people actually don't even remember he was a flame, but in the very first seasons he was and Yeah. I mean, that's, well that is
0: unfortunately in within our lifetime, it's not that long ago. We're, yeah. we're, we are getting
1: a bit older now. So Well who's uh, number eight on your great list, Ken? <laughs> number eight
0: this this player had 1,269 games played, 741 goals, 1,391 points, a Stanley Cup. I'm talking <laughs> none about,
1: of them in Calgary. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, true. This is Brett Hall. I am talking. About Brett <laughs> <right now>. um, <laughs> yeah, he did have 57 games played, 27 goals, and 51 points. Um, which you got to think, I mean, like this is rookie year. He only played 55 games and he had 51 points. That is yep. pretty impressive. And usually a marker where you're going like, wow, <laughs> let's not Cam Neely this, but he did. And he had quite the career outside of Calgary. Um, was traded for Ramage and Wamsley. So Rob Ramage and Rick Wamsley. It was, uh, I don't you know. To,
1: trade, to be fair to that trade, I'm going to interject a little bit. Yeah. That trade, we did win the Stanley Cup that season. And Rob Ramage did play significant minutes. He was a veteran needed on the back end. And at the time, Vernon uh, was hurt. And we did need a capable backup goalie. So the trade looks terrible in uh, very long hindsight. But at the time, it was a very much we're uh, mortgaging the future for now. And I would say the now worked out pretty good. Yeah, I
0: mean... I, I did leave out that it was the 89 season that it was. Yeah, oh yeah I know. <laughs> no, it, uh, it's tough because you, you look at it, right? It happens, you know, I called it the Cam Neely trade. It's, you, take a young Very guy, much so. you take a young guy, you don't know. And what happens in year one may not happen ever, ever again. So if you got an opportunity to bring some pieces in and, and win a cup, you got to do it. It's, uh, it's tough because you always want to see those young guys and what they can develop into. Um, you know, I think we can both say we've seen some prospects come through our organizations that just haven't panned out. Yeah. Um, not looking at Sven Berchi or Hunter Schenkerik or uh, Cody Hodgson, but yeah, it happens, right? And if, if someone's willing to, to bite on them young, you take the chance. And if you win, you win. Great. And if, uh, if it doesn't,
1: well, you took your shot. So. But yeah, Brett Hall yeah, is my number exactly. eight. My number eight pick on the list. I've assumed he was coming. Uh, number eight on my list is actually number seven, Joe Mullen. Uh, Mullen may have been the purest goal scorer to ever don a Flames jersey. In five seasons, he tallied 190 goals, close to 40 goals per year, maxing out at 51 goals in 1989, en route to a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, In total, Mullen played 345 games for the Flames and amassed 388 total points, proving he was not one-dimensional. Mullen's career year in 1989 earned him his first Stanley Cup championship, and I also believe he won one or two more with the Pittsburgh Penguins a few years later. So Mullen was actually put on my list in place of Gary Roberts. I was one or the other, and I I chose Mullen – because of some of the things he did do after he left the Flames, which was win a couple more Cups. And he was one of the greatest U.S.-born goal scorers in history. So yeah, that's I felt like he had to be on there.
0: And that, Yeah, I was going to bring that up. At one point, he was the, the top U.S. goal scorer in, in the NHL. And that's, uh, you know, back then, there wasn't a lot of as many top stars from the States in the game but he yep, definitely was one.
1: Exactly.
0: Of them. Yep. Yeah. So, but for my number seven, um, I, I went with Mike, uh, Mike Vernon. I, uh, I kind of, when I told you, I went at this little two, two pronged approach. I took the, uh, <laughs> I took the, um, who can I pick on route for the first three? And then went, well, let's take an actual look at it and, and, see what I come up with versus what you, what you think. So, uh, (laughs) I, I don't, you know, again, I don't have as much background with the flames as you obviously. Um, but Mike Vernon was always a solid goaltender in my opinion. You know, he had 262 games with the, or sorry, 262 wins with the flames, 526 games played and he won the cup with, uh, with the Flames.
1: So, um, that actually franchise leader in wins I believe still no. I, I, I can't remember if Kipper ever passed him or not
0: ah well yes he did a, okay. a true journalist as I am but have known that information no yeah uh, Kipper beat him by one yeah yeah. Kipper had 263 uh, overall yeah. wins. so yeah, I think you know Mike, Mike Vernon was always a solid goaltender whether it was Calgary um, or Detroit like he, he was He was a tough goaltender to face. Um, He did have two stints with the Flames the early years, and then did come back for a handful. His record wasn't quite as good in that second stint as it was the first time around.
1: No. Well, I believe some of the expansion years in San Jose may have taken a toll.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That probably did not help him at all. So, but that Mike Vernon is my number seven.
1: I, Mike Vernon, again, he was honorable mentioned. he was, Probably the second greatest goalie in Flames history. Uh, What I remember most about Vernon is his numbers weren't the greatest, but he had a knack of making that save. And, you know, Game 7 OT, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, he just made some of those saves at that time. Very, let's call it Grant Fuhr-esque, where the numbers weren't always the greatest, but managed to find a way to win the game when he needed it.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's the one thing I, I kind of looking at the league now and the way everyone looks at players is, is the analytics. And I'm not, I'm not big on that because the analytics don't actually play the game. Right. It, it just, it'll say a, a sixth, you know, a third pairing defenseman is better than your top four your, or your top pair defenseman at all because of the numbers they are not facing the same type of thing. They're you look at, you may not have great numbers, but did they steal a game for you? Yeah. Right. Did, like you said, make that save at the right time. Yeah, that's what I
1: remember about him. Yeah. Well, at number seven on my list is number 39, Doug Gilmore. Uh, Gilmore only played four seasons with the Flames, but his acquisition again in 1989 with the Flames over the top. A high skilled two way centerman was the missing ingredient to finally get past some of the powers that be in the Smythe division. Uh, in his four seasons with the Flames, he finished at plus 104. Uh, In the rest of his career, he was actually a minus player. Uh, While finishing at a plus 104, he was also a point-of-game producer. Uh, Doug Gilmore also scored one of the most iconic goals in Flames history at 11.02 of the third period in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final at the Montreal Forum, as he batted a puck out of midair through Patrick Waugh's legs, and that goal proved to be the Stanley Cup game-winning goal. So... There's no way I can't have Doug Gilmore. He scored probably the biggest goal in Calgary Flames history. Yeah. I, I mean, I,
0: not going to lie, somehow managed to overlook Doug Gilmore. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was just the, the Leafs time that, well, you know, that
1: took, took my. Puts a sour, <laughs> sour point on his career. <laughs> yeah. I
0: don't, I don't know if that blinded me from the rest of his career, other than that, you know, he was a Leaf at one time and. I I uh, think Don Cherry a very drool- heralded leaf. Yeah, well, when you got Don Cherry drooling over you every Saturday night, it uh, kind of puts a sour taste. there. there. Yeah, yeah, can't disagree with that. Yeah. All right, so my my number six is Al MacInnis, uh, big shot defenseman. He had eight hundred and three games played with the uh, with the Flames. Uh, Respectful 213 goals and 822 points. Um, I mean, this guy was hitting 100 miles per hour before it was, you know, everyone did it. There wasn't many at the time that could hit that kind of speed on the radar when it came to, you know, the all-star game, in-game, it didn't matter where, he unleashed it. And um, you definitely didn't want to be standing in front of it, that's for sure. Yeah. He, he, he did was, it with a wood stick. Exactly. I was just going to say, wooden stick as opposed to the the composite sticks that make it so much easier. I mean, he, he's my guy, he's on my team, but Pedersen, you look at his frame compared to the guys who are shooting a hundred miles per hour now and he's hitting yep. triple digits. So either he's just got that good of a shot or, you know, technology good of a stick. Yeah. right. <laughs> I 90% operator, 10% equipment, but you know, it, it's a lot easier to do these days. And he did it when it wasn't the thing to do. So yeah. he, he was always a good, solid defenseman and someone that I, I I was glad moved on to other teams that the Canucks didn't play as
1: much uh, yeah. after a while there. So Franchise in the top three in franchise statistical categories for a lot of categories, so offensive categories. And yeah, I, I can't disagree with that pick, Ken. Yeah. Uh, number six on my list is number 25, Joe Neuendijk. Uh, Newendyk spent nine years with the Flames and is arguably the best and most talented player to ever wear the flaming C. He could do it all in the offensive zone and may have been the best player in the history of the NHL at tipping a slap shot from the point. Speaking of Al MacInnis slap shots, Joe Newendyk definitely got in front of a few of those and, and that was by choice. Kirk McLean.
0: Uh, <laughs> and my choice. Yeah, yeah, I had to add that part, huh? Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I. Joe burst onto the scene in his first full year with the Flames, uh, posting uh, uh, sorry posting the first of consecutive fifty one goal seasons, and he took home the Calder Trophy for his efforts in nineteen eighty eight, and obviously the second of his fifty one goal seasons was in nineteen eighty nine. In nine seasons, Joe had three hundred and fourteen goals and six hundred and sixteen points, and again, I not much I can't say about this guy. He He may have been the most talented player to ever wear our jersey. And he had a phenomenal career. Even after he moved on, he won more Cups.
0: Yeah. Well, let me just jump in with my number five is Joe Newendike. So kind of an easy transition here. Um, Yeah, he was just an all-around good player. I can say it didn't matter where he was, whether it was Calgary, Dallas. I mean, he was was a good player. Um, You know, and and also – a pivotal piece in what brought you really your franchise face of the franchise for, you know, a long yeah. time, which was, he was dealt for Jerome McGinley. Here you're taking a yeah. guy with that much talent and dealing him for a rookie who ends up being your captain leader. And uh, yeah, I mean, you got to with the flames have done what are those win-win trades for both teams. Exactly. You know, the, the Dallas got what they needed. Um flames got what they needed for a long time. And it just it it worked out. So yeah, like Joe, like said Joe Nundex my number five, and that was kind of a nice segue into that.
1: Blue Jays are going to the playoffs.
0: Oh, really? We're they're gonna go out in two. <laughs>
1: it
0: only it only took fifty-seven uh, games to get a pitcher into the seventh yeah. inning. Yeah, we we'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Number five on my list is number 14, Theron Flurry. Uh, again, another spark plug of the Flames. Uh, as a rookie addition to the 1989 team, Flurry was the needed spark plug to keep that team going, and that little ball of energy continued on to have one of the greatest career of any Flames ever. Flurry was the face of the franchise for many years in the 90s and was a reason to watch the Flames when there weren't many other good reasons to. In 11 years with the flames on the ice, Flurry finished with 830 points. Fleury also had a tumultuous life off the ice. And along with Sheldon Kennedy, they both came forward to bring light to a terrible time in hockey history. Uh, and it, it was actually became a watershed moment in the history of junior and pro hockey. So full kudos to both of them for having the courage to come forward. Um, Fleury has subsequently turned his life around off the ice Putting his addiction problems behind him and is still a major member of the Calgary community even today.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at that and it just, again, it goes to kind of what we started off with when, you know, Darren Fourier was one of the guys, um, almost if you, and not to say he was the first, but in the pioneer time of when athletes really started their reach was getting a lot bigger to be able to get to more people, spread the message. Um, he and Sheldon Kennedy, as you said, they used their platform to try and yeah. enact change so that no one else had to go through that. So that is definitely yeah. a, a, a great thing that they did. And it well, probably wasn't easy to share the, that pain again, but.
1: Um, no, well, no. I, in his book that he wrote, it, I can honestly say that's the only book ever in my life that I sat down and read it cover to cover in one sitting. It was such an eye-opener and so well done. And, you know, uh, I would highly recommend it for any any hockey fan to actually read his book. And, you know, he really goes into detail. And it's it's really a, an eye-opener and good on him. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, my uh, – on to number four. And this was a guy that uh, I would have rather not seen – a lot of, and that's Mika Kiprasov. Um, you know, 576 games played, as mentioned earlier, wins leader 263. Um, he was he was trouble for a lot of teams. Uh, Canucks were one of them at times, except if the uh, Sedins were on the ice, they seemed to do okay with uh, putting a few past them. But he, he definitely made every game difficult and made you work a hell of a lot harder to get that W if you were going to beat him.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what, Ken, I'll jump in right now too. And Kipper is number four on my list. Uh, he's the greatest goalie in Calgary Flames history. The, no doubt about it. Uh, his arrival in 03-04 uh, turned the Flames from a, a perennial playoff onlooker to a playoff contender overnight. Uh, Mika was beloved by Flames fans from day one to the day he retired. And uh, the shirts off for Kippersoff on the red mile in 2004 may go down as one of the greatest trends in Calgary Flames' history as well. Yeah. Uh, Kipper's the franchise leader or top two in almost every statistical category. Um, the most impressive one to me is 41 shutouts. You know, I think in uh, six or seven years, he was averaging six or seven shutouts a year. Uh, he, Kipper was the best goalie in the NHL for, for quite a while while he played in Calgary. Yeah, I don't think there's much arguing that. No, you
0: definitely – like I said, you you liked it when he got a night off and he didn't get many of those in his time there. No,
1: he didn't.
0: Yeah, that was uh, – I always preferred it if we got him on a back-to-back and you guys uh, had already – you played him the first night and then we'd get a little bit of a break. Got Jamie McLennan the second (laughs) night. Hey, Noodle is a good goalie. Let's not discount Noodle, (laughs) right? You know. (laughs) He's turned into one hell of a commentator on TSN. Yeah. Um, well, my number three uh, actually it wasn't on your list, but Gary Roberts, which was a little little surprise. I just I thought he'd be he would a major list there. Um, he had five hundred and eighty five games played with the Flames. Um, five hundred and my writing's horrible. Five hundred nine points, two hundred fifty seven goals, and I think the big thing when I think of Gary Roberts is
1: penalty minutes.
0: Yeah, well, he was a tough player. He he was. he was talented offensively talented but he was also a tough player and i kind of the one thing that always sticks with me about gary roberts is what would he have had for a career if he didn't break his neck right i think like yeah you think of unfortunate incidents you never want to see people on another team or players on their team get hurt um that take you know affects their career or anything like that but you you look at what could have been and you know, I think he he would have had
1: a lot, a lot more of the goals and points and games played if he hadn't had that injury. And actually, his injury history was one of the reasons I chose Mullen over him. Was you you hit the nail right on the head. What could have been? Yeah. Like he could have had hundreds of more goals in a Flames jersey and played for so much longer. And full kudos to him to, to for you know coming back after those major injuries and, and having a relatively successful career in Toronto of all places, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Well, did he, uh, did you correct me wrong? Did he make his comeback with Tampa or Toronto?
1: I can't remember. He was in Carolina at some point And yeah, I don't, like remember, he... I don't remember. I think it was Toronto, but I, I can't say that for yeah. certainty.
0: The bulk of his career after the flames was with Toronto and he was still an impact player. Just, you know, yeah. he really got a, Change the way you you operate when you got dealing with a broken neck and a contact sport. Yep. So Gary Roberts is my number three on that list. He was always a tough guy to to play against.
1: Yep. Uh, Number three on my list is number nine, Lanny McDonald, Mr. Calgary flame. His iconic red mustache was the Calgary flames for many seasons and probably still is to this day. The face of the franchise in the early days of the flames in Calgary Lanny is an icon to this day in the city of Calgary. Lanny's 66 goals in 1983 is a franchise record that most likely will never be broken. Lanny was the leader of the Flames for all eight years he was in Calgary, and that leadership led him retire on top of the hockey world after winning the Stanley Cup in 1989. Lanny always was and always will be the most recognizable face of not only the Flames, but the entire city of Calgary.
0: Yeah, there, there's no disputing that. Like, you, you're not missing walking past Lanny McDonald, whether nope. playing days or today. It's, uh, you know, that's Lanny by that mustache. Um, I always it's thought... not as
1: red as it used to be.
0: No, no. I'm, we'll allow that, you know. That, that happens at times. Um, you know, we, we at least know one guy that has a very similar mustache or hat until he had to shape it. But, you know, Lanny McDonald is just... He was like, <laughs> He's uh, yeah. He, I I'll, like two to go, but he was left off mine. Like he would have been another honorable mention. It just left off. It left off. Spoiler, wow. Spoiler alert. Wow. Yeah. It it was tough going through the flames, but Lanny. Wow. Yeah. He uh, if I didn't have the first three picks, or you know, ten, nine, and eight, like oh, you
1: yeah.
0: yeah. probably definitely would have been on there. But yeah, I just think. It was tough. Like it's all. There's always going to be someone that you forget about, and I did. Yeah. Um. Even when I was looking at the roster, I had it in front of me all time, and yeah. uh, you try yes. to fit guys in, and it, it's difficult. Yeah. So, Lanny's a good pick. Number three, though. It's, it's interesting. Um. My I'm number. Pretty two... sure I know
1: who your top two are,
0: but well, I, <laughs> it may not be too hard. Yeah so number two <laughs> is going back to one you already had, uh, Darren flurry. And again, you know, you already talked kind of about the points. He had 791 games played 830 points. Um, he was the original small guy. He yep. played in the NHL during a time of giants. Um, so he had to be quick. He had to be agile. He had to be able to get in and out. And, uh, to get in, strike, and move on to the next spot on the ice to not get buried, and he, he did a very, very good job of that in avoiding getting buried by the guys. But he also didn't play a timid game; he didn't shy away not from at it. all. He didn't shy away from it. And uh, you look at the way the NHL is now, and Darren Fleury could be considered on the bigger side of guys. Um, the, the <laughs> I mean. I stood next to him. We're about the same height. And I know I'm not going to say yeah. how tall I am, but, um, you know, when that, that we were at the Heritage Classic, and we got to go see him and get the autographs and talk to him. And I'm not going to lie, I was very surprised by his size because you always look at it in, in TV, and guys look small or they look big, but until yeah. you see him up close, you don't actually know. Like, first time I saw Rick Nash live, I was taken – Back because it was just like, holy TV does not do him justice on how big he actually is out there and what he can do. And so, seeing Theron Fleury and realizing how small he was and what he did yep. do, it, it was impressive. I mean, I do recall you telling him to punch me in the head for being a Canucks fan, which he didn't do. I'm glad that I think the ring would have left That's him disappointing because he had
1: a very nice ring.
0: Well, I, I would have looked like Ace Ventura after he, you know, got decked in the head with the AFC ring whatever it was, but yeah, it uh, he was an impressive player for a guy his size and everything else we, did, we talked about previously about him. Um, yeah. He could do damage against you.
1: Yeah, and again, his off the ice, just the way he turned everything around, I, I, what more can you say? Good on him. And yeah, absolutely. He was a uh, warrior on the ice and a warrior off the ice.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, number two on my list is actually somebody previously on your list at number six, and that is Al MacInnis. What a shot. Al MacInnis was the most feared defenseman and – or was one of the most feared defensemen in the history of the game. When he wound up, players scrambled to get out of the way, goalies included. Yeah. And goaltenders routinely whiffed on – Slappers from the point. Uh, in, 13, 13 season was, sorry, in 13 seasons with the Flames, McInnes was a point a game player from the blue line. And in the 1991 season, he amassed an amazing 103 points. Al is near the top of many all-time statistical categories for the Flames, including points with 822 all-time. He was a defenseman. Yeah. I... Uh, it is mind-boggling to me that a defenseman is right up there in our all time franchise greats and statistical leaders. But I'm sorry. He ran the best power play in hockey for a long time with that slap shot. Like I've seen, I watched so many highlights of the goalie, not even screened and he would just blow it by him from the point. It was uh, a man among men at the time with that shot.
0: You don't see that, you know, and that's why a guy like McKinnis and who can put points up, play defense, like, but he also wasn't a defensive liability from what I nope. remember. Right. Those guys don't truly exist anymore because you have your offensive defenseman paired with a defensive defenseman to make up for what they yeah. lack in defense. Um, Cause everyone wants that, you know, half forward on the blue line. Um, with five on five. So, yeah. I, it's tough to try and like off the top of my head, I can't think of a guy who's a point per game in his career currently on, on the blue line.
1: It just, there's not many of them. It's it, Brent Burns for a couple of seasons. Yeah. Eric that, Carlson for a couple seasons, but. But you're talking about guys who are going
0: to have to load it up early in their career because yeah. when they don't produce, like you're talking 803 games with the flames and 822 points.
1: So, yeah, he did it for a
0: long time. Even even in the season where he had 103 points, that meant he could still have a 62-point season, right? Like, yep. 62 points in 82 games is a lot for a defenseman. It's it's yep. impressive.
1: And it's too bad he suffered a major injury, too, when he got to St. Louis, and that kind of derailed his career for a little while because he could have put up even bigger numbers than he did and. Uh, He was the best defenseman in Flames history and, in my opinion, the second greatest in Flames history.
0: Yeah. I think – is it safe to say I think we have a consensus number one? Do we want to – do you want to go ahead and
1: announce the number one? I would say we probably have a consensus number one. Yeah. Um, I'll go Iggy, number 12. The, the greatest player to ever wear, number 12. Honestly, who else would be number one other than Iggy? Uh, Jerome was yeah. by far the greatest Calgary Flame of all time. Franchise leader in almost every st- statistical category. Iggy eventually became a first ballot Hall of Famer. For 16 years, Jerome literally bled red for the Calgary Flames. He was the skill leader on the team, the mental leader on the team, and the physical leader on the team. Score, hit, fight, this man did it all. He was the best player in the league in the early 2000s, and that led him to be one of the most consistent players of our generation, amassing 30-plus goal campaigns year after year. Though he never did win the elusive Stanley Cup, Iggy had significant international success, winning two Olympic gold medals. Jerome scored two goals in the 5-2 win over the USA, And again, also had the primary assist on one of the greatest goals in Canadian hockey history in overtime of the 2010 gold medal game, as he found some guys streaking to the net. Iggy was, and still, yeah, we don't need to say who it was. No, Iggy was, and still is, one of the most well-respected players to have ever donned an NHL jersey, not just a Flames jersey. There will never be another Iggy in Calgary. He is the Calgary Flames.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was easy. No brainer. I think I, you know, I wrote 10 to 1 on my page and wrote Igginla in there right away. Um, You know, as a Canucks fan, our teams have had how many battles, right? Um, Hands down, Igginla is one of the players on any of a team that I respect the most. Um, He had class. He, He was just that type of player that, even in the twilight of his career that I think when he signed with uh, Colorado, there was some rumors that he might be coming to Vancouver and you, you know what? It was one of those, like, I don't care where he's at in his career. I'll take a Gillen on my team. Cause he's, he's the kind of guy you want your your younger guys coming up in the league um, to learn from, you know, same kind of, you know, we talked about the way the Sedins are and, and, you want those are the type of people. They're good people, on and off the ice. And Ginla's right there, right? Like you want your younger generation of players. If that's a guy, if you play hockey and you're a kid, go back and watch a Ginla. That's who you want to you want to be as a player and you you know as a person. Um, a lot of yeah. times, you know, people are like, oh, I want to be like this player. I want to be like this player. But they're also talking about the lifestyle because they're flashy. They're driving the fancy cars, they're spending their money. They're all about them. Ginla was a yeah. team guy, hands down. And I, I have a lot of respect for Jerome Ginla.
1: Off the ice, he was just as amazing as on the ice. He had time for everybody. He was involved in so many charities within Calgary as that's part of our, our team culture is you have to be a member of the community off the ice. And he was the member of the community. And there's nothing that can't be said to uh, his retirement ceremony was, it was amazing. Like this guy was the Calgary flames still is like you, you can't go to the saddle dome and not see 5,000 again, the Jersey still, and he hasn't played here in seven or eight years. Like he is the Calgary flames. That's it. Uh, yeah. There's nothing more. Yeah, no, I mean that would, uh... That was a pretty easy pick, yeah, um, right, For sure.
0: Yeah, I don't. I didn't think either one of us were gonna, you know, be disputing who was number one on this list. The one thing I, I was getting by nine other guys. Yeah, essentially. Um, even if I had gone ten through two with guys that uh, had done something, boneheaded, again, this still would have been number one. Yeah, there's
1: um, no dispute.
0: The one thing I will say that I took away from doing all this was. Looking at the Calgary all-time roster, some of your top players like they don't have a lot of games played with the uh, with the Flames. Um, nope. You know, Ginla had twelve over twelve hundred, um, McKinnis eight hundred, and I think he was number two. Yep. There, there's not, and then the gap goes to like two
1: or 500, three. Yep.
0: Yeah, five hundred. Yeah. And it's like that. Was, to me, that was surprising. I, I took that. It was like a really? I did. This should be higher for some of these guys. Um, that was my, well, we had built
1: a team in the early 90s or the late 90s, kind of mid to late nineties that uh, won a cup. And then it, it, all those guys are on the list and then it disbanded Yeah, shortly after. And then we had a bunch of, uh, to be brutally honest, we had a bunch of crap for 10 years and it was the, you know, essentially the, the acquisition of kippersoft again in 2004 that kind of put us back on the map. And then you, kind of started to have some guys again, you know, you had again, Len Kiprasov and, but even today's Flames, we don't have that many long-standing guys and we're in a, we're potentially in a transition phase right now, again, where some of our faces of the franchise might be moving on, which is very typical of Calgary Flames history. So.
0: Well, even guys like Monaghan and Goudreau and even Kachuk were up there on the games playlist list. When I, you know, sorted it out to just to see yep. what it looked like. Um, that, yep. like I say, it was surprising. You think, and part of it too, Monahan, Gujo. You think those guys haven't been around that long, but they spent almost as much time as some of the, yeah, some, you know, some of the top players in the franchise longer than
1: some of the guys. Yeah, yeah yep. absolutely.
0: Yeah. So that's that's the well, list. It, it was painful. Yep. I'm not gonna lie. It was tough to do sit down and try and pick. pick I would agree. I had a hard
1: time doing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we both now done it from the, we, we both had a tough time picking our own players and probably an even tougher time picking another team's
1: top 10, but, um, yeah. Yeah. But again, consensus number one, Jerome. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, that pretty much puts a wrap on this episode of the bleacher connection. Um, We'll be back again. We'll uh, come up with some other other topics to cover. We're coming up an off season for for hockey here and uh, and uh, baseball soon enough. I'm sure we could spend forty five minutes an hour on why we are well trying to justify why we're Jays fans, I guess. Why we put ourselves through it.
1: <laughs> Hopefully we get a chance to record before they're not eliminated.
0: Well, we better do it <laughs> on game days then. <laughs> yeah yeah all right well thanks for listening if you have any uh any comments suggestions things you'd like to see uh hit us up through the uh email in the link or on twitter we'll uh talk to you soon